Well, today I'm meeting up with Judge Gwyneth Edgar from South Wales. Gwyneth's done a huge amount of judging um, from local level to county and Hoy's qualifiers. And um, she's always very, very smart. You cannot miss um, Gwyneth when she's on the showground. She's one of our smartest judges out there. So thank you for joining us today, Gwyneth. Well, thank you for inviting me. Oh, and I forgot to say, you also do the Gwyn Beth, which is very popular, isn't it? Your show um, that you run with them um, yeah. in the autumn. So, yeah, I can see you're busy on Facebook still. So we're all planning ahead for that at the moment. Yes, indeed. And so um, we're all obviously on lockdown. So how how are you managing in the current situation? It's easier than I thought it was going to be. I'm a little oh, bit good. crazy, but I'm still able to work from home for the office, so that takes up time, working on the Gwynbeth as well and various other projects like that. So I'm being useful, and the house, well, the shack looks immaculate. You'd be proud of me. <laughs> yeah, now you're not off to a show every weekend, but you've got more time to do domestic things. <laughs> <laughs> Don't use that word, Sarah, but yes. <laughs> and how is Roger, your other half? Cause he's, uh, he's living in the garden, so he's <laughs> He's living in the garden. <laughs> the, well, at, at this very moment, Sarah, you may hear, he's got one of these power cleaners. So all right. everything is being cleaned within an inch of its life. But no, he's fine. As I say, oh, garden, good. loving it. Oh, that's brilliant. Because uh, that's, that, that's, like, so, so when we're able to restart again, it'll all be pristine. And, and um, that's great news. And, you're, and uh, yeah, have you managed with the shopping? Do you do... Do you, do, do you have home deliveries or click and collect or anything uh, like that? Combination of all. That sounds, that sounds as though you're very organised. So we want to discover a little bit more of, about you as a judge today. So what panels are you on? Um, your panel, TSR, of course. Yeah. Homies UK on all their, their various panels. Chats, yeah. Traditional Gypsy Cops, British Miniature Horse Society, SSADL, VHS, SWPA and numerous others that um, for some reason I don't tend to get invited to but I appear on their panels. Oh right, so you're very busy, that's a lot of panels to keep you occupied. <laughs> I've got such a choice haven't I from my beloved Harry's and Colours right through to, to the placard paintings so mm. I'm, I'm mm. jolly lucky. So how long have you been judging? Oh, I was looking at this and answering, I thought, shall I lie? And I thought, no, Sarah, catch me out. It must be 40 plus years. Oh, you've been judging a long while, so you've got yes. a great depth of experience there. But for many people, um, you know, it's always interesting to know how you got into the, into, into the ponies or into the horses. So where did you start out, Gwyneth? Interesting. My father's twin brother was a three-day event rider. My folks did not like... Um, horses per se. They didn't hmm. mind me being with them, but Mama would not allow such things near near the house. Hmm. And um, I spent a lot of time with Uncle Cecil, and he was a Marine and used to be at the Marine Barracks in Portsmouth. All right. And I would go down there every holiday and spend my time with the Marine horses, display horses to begin with, with a hmm. gentleman called Mr. Horseman. And oh, that was very apt, wasn't it? And he taught me so many tricks of the trade. Mm. Um, and he gave me tremendous confidence. And that was really where it all started from, of course, Uncle Cecil would mm. do the finer bits of the training. But 
where it all began. And how did you get into showing from there then? So when was your first sort of thing into, into the show ring, as it were? Or? Do you know something? Um, I'm trying to think of the first, and I can't. But I can certainly remember Jim Connors and mm. being on the floor an awful lot. <laughs> and then Uncle Cecil buying me an outfit to go to oh, right. the show with one of the marine horses, which was far too big. Mm. And, of course, um, I was a total failure, but I did enjoy it. Oh, so that's the most important thing, isn't it, is it, to enjoy it? So, you, did you have, do, you have, do you have any ponies or horses that stand out for you that you've, that you've ridden? Oh, at all my beloved all? one, my Darcy, who's my profile picture. All right. Oh, Irish Draft Hunter Cross. Mm. Um, he was euthanized at 44, cost me a fortune. I could have bought Monmouthshire with him, Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> but the true love of my life, and when the Jenkins family... Beth Jenkins, mm. gave me that for his 40th birthday. He is with me every day, so I'm never lonely. Oh, oh, that's lovely. That's lovely. And did you, do you have any, um, from, you know, any particular memories that stand out when you were, when you were riding him or doing, competing yes, with him? Yes, I had to, in the top of my long boot, I used to have a collection of sticks and whips. All right. I'd only ever hit Darcy. Once, and it was hard enough for him to remember that never ever go for me again, young man, when he was a baby. <laughs> right. And I, I firmly don't tap and mess about. So if he was being particularly fractious, I'd take a whip out and just show him. And his eyelashes would flutter. Oh, don't beat me, mummy. And he's a good boy, really. <laughs> so, yes, that, uh, those magical memories you can't take away. No, no, you can't. Indeed. So, um, so with your judging, um, and you're, you've obviously been judging for many years. Do you have any highlights for, for for your judging career at all that stand out for you? I think after the first couple of years, realizing that judging, if you let it, can become a task or a chore. Mm. I made a very conscious decision that every time I walked in the ring, there would be a highlight. Mm. And I can honestly say, every class I go in, there will be just a glimmer, a highlight that you, you, I latch on to. Mm. And um, I think that is so important. Yeah. Uh, and I have magical highlights, like I adore judging young stock, to see them come back under me. And I have a little smile to myself. Um, that that is magic, magic moments, or a novice that I've seen before, and maybe I've given a word of advice, and they come back. Mm. I, I feel so proud. I feel like part of their extended family. Well, you've contributed, haven't you, to to their to their um, development, as it were, haven't you? And then to see them come back, and and they've and they've grown, and or they've matured, and and they're and they're and they're such a lovely pony again. It's really nice, yeah. isn't it? I think it's important to remain non-critical. Mm. Um, I think you can only look and think, yes, I am going to be positive and I am going to find something good to say because it's just too easy to think, oh, no, I don't like that. But it's mm. somebody's pride and joy, so I am conscious of that. 
Mm. It's very important to be positive, I think, in the ring, yeah. isn't it? Because it's very easy to look at things and say, I don't like this, I don't like this. But you need to find your winner and you need to find your first to six or whatever. So you need to find all the positive things that you like, isn't it, it's as well? It's too easy to find fault. Mm, mm. No, exactly. Exactly. So what would be your favourite class to judge? I don't Because uh, you're on... You don't have one. <laughs> no, that's that diplomatic. Was, that <laughs> was another conscious decision, Sarah. Mm. When I'm invited to judge... And I, and naturally, you can imagine I'm getting quite excited. If there is something on there, what would what it would be torture, wouldn't it, if someone had invited me to to judge and say uh, I was doing an outer Mongolian yaks? <laughs> you know, it, I just can't work like that. Mm. I really try and think. No, the I do have a little. Smile when I see I'm invited to judge young stock or something like that. But mm. I don't have a particular favourite. I'm happy to go in and look look for something. Yeah, because you're a great supporter of local shows, aren't you? As well, you don't not not, not just at county level or judging at the top level. You you really do support um, local shows, and at that level, you get to judge a huge array of, of different types, don't they? In in one class, sometimes, you know. Absolutely, <laughs> and there is always we went back to that highlight there is always something that sort of catches your interest. Life's Mm. never boring in the ring. No, no, it's never boring. You never know what you're going to get um, come forward in front of you, do you? So it's always always a challenge and interesting, you could say, because you never know quite. Absolutely. Yeah. So... um, with the um, like with the veteran and the senior classes, you do have all sorts of different types in those classes there. Um, so they can be quite challenging to judge because um, you have like you could have a, as you say a, a foreign breed, a minute uh, like, a, and then you could have your M and M's and then like placid horses as well. So um, how how do you tend to approach that sort of scenario? Do you uh, because we don't take confirmation into account either. Are you presenting me with a hunter, an M&M, or a mm. miniature? That's the first thing. I can sift all that out in my mind. Mm. Then it's by age appropriate. I, I think I have the experience to know how animals may age. I've looked after veterans, and my boy was 44. I know, amazing. Absolutely. So, to me, then, it's about... They're, the main thing that I pick up on first are, are they happy to be with me? Are mm. they happy in the ring? Is the light still switched on? And mm. then about everything else, about their way of going, their elasticity, but, and their condition, and all those sort of things. So to me, I find veterans, um, I used to find it quite a challenge, but with more experience, I now feel quite confident with them. Mm. Mm. And the history is so important as well, isn't it, when people um, explain to you about what, how long they've had them and stuff. And that can be really quite, um, you know, it can be quite an emotional point, yes. especially like with and your guy who's 44. You know, if, if this animal has been the family pet for 20 years and everyone in the family rides it, that has equal kudos to something that's won all your three times. Mm, mm, no, it and does. It is, it is about how their story relates to what I'm looking at. Mm-mm. Yes, yes, and exactly. This wonderful word, partnership, which you know I'm terribly keen on, mm. um, they normally, there are very special partnerships. 
well if you've had something if you've owned a horse for a long while you do you, you know you do create that bond yeah. and that relationship over that period of time don't you especially if yeah. you've had a few highs and lows in between which horses always do supply highs and lows in plenty of um in plenty of different forms don't they <laughs> indeed <laughs> one minute they look amazing then the next minute they've done something crazy oh, to themselves gosh. oh dear me so um do you have um when you're judging do you have any pet dislikes at all i'll go back to what i what i'm judging in what class and what is the minimum i will accept for a breed or a type right Confirmation faults, they're so numerous and so common, aren't they? And often mm. all of them are on the same equine. There isn't a perfect horse out there, I don't think. No, no. <laughs> so because being a confirmation judge, I understand confirmation. Mm. My love to see is a good undercarriage. Right. In its purest sense, forearm, knees, hocks, that is what for me, I have a good look at first, because without that, we're not going to go anywhere. No, that's the engine, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Mm. I can admire their length of brain, etc., etc., but unless we've got an undercarriage that's going to do the job, I, uh, mm. it, it's difficult then. Yeah, yeah. And do you have any views on, you know, like... Um, splints or or not lump obviously in the seniors we don't take into account the lumps and bumps and everything but in in your other classes um in your straight showing classes do you have any particular um things about any of those faults on the limb at all or yes yes i do um curbs are always a worry but then mm-hmm. i go back to normally you can tell when the animal walk, walks in how much training it's been given whether it's been forced if it's so stiff if it's not moving through the neck, everything mm. jumps out at you. So there is normally a history to why I would see, say, a curb, a splint, a spavin. Splints, mm. Um, mm. I know they cause a lot of uh, problems. If I have animals without them, then obviously of equal standing, they will take it. Mm. If the splint mm. isn't on the joint, and I'm still looking at a magnificent creature, I do debate. Mm, mm. Yeah, well, that's fair enough. It's where it is on the we leg, isn't it? don't want them caused by overtraining, overuse, or bad treatment. Mm, but mm. They, they never stand alone, I don't think. The, the bigger picture tells the story. Yeah, yeah. So, um, in the, um, is there any in the way of going? Um, what, what are you looking for in, in, the, in the show or, or way of going of, of a pony? I what do you like to see? away from the leg. And the right. I, yeah. I just don't want to see hesitancy or the rigid outline that tells me the whole story that goes around the making of this pony or horse. The moment mm. the leg goes on, I think the story unfolds. Or, mm. you know, the case if it doesn't move away from the leg, that tells the bigger story. Yeah. Once yeah. again, depending on what standard I'm judging at, mm. you know. Uh, yeah. In principle, I would like a good ride animal to move away from the leg and the seat and then just go go away into the job they've been asked mm. to do. Yeah. 
Yeah, so in a show, is there any particular pace that you're looking for? Obviously, it depends on the type of class you're judging, but some people are very keen on the walk. You know, that's the first thing that you see, so they're, they're very strong that the walk must be good. Are there, is, there any, is there any particular pace for you that you like to look, no, look, look at? No, it's the walk. It's got to be in proportion to the structure and the balance of what I'm judging. Yeah. It has to be a walk with rhythm, even yeah. though I don't mind the tempo changing. But I like the rhythm to be inherent in the animal. Mm, a natural rhythm. And we know them when we see them. And I have a little bead of sweat that goes down the back of my neck when it comes in and I see that wonderful walk. Mm. It's all about rhythm, isn't it? It's, you know, and, and, it's and absolute and it's... rhythm. Mm. And going back to my uncle Cecil and my father, they were great musicians. And I was brought up with music. And I think that's one of the strengths in judging if you've got a a musical mind any walk trot canter gallop has a rhythm yeah and i think it does help because if the rhythm changes the alarm bells go off in my brain yes <laughs> why has that changed yeah yeah why has that changed and i might even give a harder look then mm and then you look at then you go you know is it is it tense or yeah. or is there is there something confirmationally with it or has the rider done something have they or changed the their rhythm fitting, you know all these mm. things i just don't knock out a good animal because of one thing it normally has to be a series that tell me a story yeah yeah so with the with if you were setting a show is there is is there a particular um, you know is there anything that you tend to do regularly when you set a show or is it a little bit dependent on on the size of the ring and and everything as it were? Absolutely, and health and safety. Mm. And I think about setting shows. I am not there to find out the worst that somebody can offer there. I'm there to find out the best that someone to give me. Mm. And if I'm going to change the show. I try not to overcomplicate it because not everybody can adapt quickly. And Mm. what could have been a well-rehearsed, well-practiced, much-loved partnership is suddenly thrown out of kilter. And I think when you set a show, it's about not making it too showy or too performance. It should suit the breed and the Mm. type that you're doing. Mm. Yeah. So it's a nice, simple show to be to enhance all the paces and to, and to give the riders the best opportunity to adjust what they thought they might be doing <laughs> as yeah, it were sometimes that can destroy confidence as well and are we there to do that mm. you know map- snap their fingers and they've got it straight away but then you see the rest of the lineup in torment waiting their chance they're so tense and worried mm. i mm. i I think if we're changing shows, it's got to be proportionate. Yeah, yeah. So with them, with you obviously judge Mountain and Moorlands as well. So um, by keeping the show quite simple, as if you were setting a show for M&M classes, it means that all the breeds are able to display their pace, doesn't it, really? Because yeah. some are better at trot, some are better at canter or, or whatever. Yeah. Um, so what do you, because what do you think about, at Mountain and Moorlands with the with perhaps some, some more of the complicated shows because some people think the the breed should evolve to it to become more performance other judges think that um you know that we should stay very true to types of the fact that 
they were driving ponies or, or pack animals, you know, with, yeah. with the highlands. What's your view on that? I think it's important that everyone understands that when you're invited to judge, there are rules that you are given as a judge that you have to follow. Mm. One can be in breed standards. Yeah. And I do think um, societies need to be a bit firmer with judges. There is right. a breed standard. I am not going to change the breed standard because A, B or C. Mm. I will judge to the breed standard. I do not want a performance pony that is meant to be a breed standard. I do mm. not want the Dartmoor middleweight hunter type coming out looking like, and moving like a show pony. Unless mm. somebody says, Gwyneth, we are going to change the breed standards. Yeah. <laughs> and I think it's becoming too much of a personal matter with some judges. Let's stick to breed standards until they're changed. Yeah. Yeah, and don't get too too involved in your personal type of that breed. Absolutely, cause that is the danger, and that is what has been happening, especially with the M and M's. Because they are because uh, within a what breed itself, let's say the Welsh Dees, you can have various different types, can't you? Within a Welsh Dee, you can have the smaller fourteen two type, then you have the bigger bigger type of D, and then everything in between, really. So it is quite sometimes there is quite a variance, and you do need to go back to that breed standard, don't you? Yeah, no upper height limit. So why is it in the pony section? Sorry, I I just can't get my head around what they're doing to the Ds. in some cases Mm. is it a pony or is it a performance horse Mm. once again back to the societies to be more clear since when was a D a 15-3 performance animal they are quite tall some of them now aren't they indeed 15-3 I've judged Mm. now Mm. I don't see how how can you keep pony characteristics the one golden rule about judging ponies and M and M, especially M and M's, pony characteristics should not. Yeah. Be. If you've got something at fifteen three in front of you, tell me how I can be fair. No, I know, and I like for me personally in the D's, and I've broken a lot of them in. Um, obviously, being in Wales, I quite like a fourteen two D. I like the smaller types for me, and um, the horsey types. Uh, I can, you know, that's fine. I have ridden some bigger ones, and that's okay. But that's my personal preference. But I think that's more leading you know as you say with the breed standard perhaps we should have some more guidelines on this if we are evolving into a bigger a bigger d and it's also like the connemaras they can they can be quite pony especially uh, or quite horsey can't they that's the same they're little bit there but they do have an upper height limit with connies which is very good isn't it yeah but they are still breeding competition ponies not mm. the breed standard ponies and i do come back with there's a lot of these societies that are taking a back seat they are there. They say, judge, judge for us. They should be telling us, you mm. will judge to our breed standard. Thank you. Mm. Yeah. And I think it's, they're opting out. If they want to have a performance Connemara that goes mm. above the 14 to, then becomes a performance pony. I don't have a problem with that, but have another section. Because yeah. they are not Connemara M&M's. No, not yeah. Partnership classes, move them out. Don't call them over height. If we want to make them valid, just come on, societies, give us a bit of help here. 
Yeah, because it's a lovely Connemara bar, is it? Oh. A, sli- a slightly taller. And they're so versatile, and they're such a great... Well, any you know, all the breeds are really versatile, but the Connies, you know, if you're out by one centimetre or two centimetres, it doesn't make it a bad animal, does it? No, really? no, Sarah. And that is why the breed societies need to give out more guidance, more clarification, mm. and don't call them overhyped. That is disrespectful to a, what is probably a lovely animal. And at local level, it's very difficult, isn't it? Because they can show, you know, if you're showing at local level, it might be just a mountain and moorland ridden class with no Pacific classification in the schedule to say it must be registered. So at local level, you can have a slightly, you know, you. but from then they can't step up to the affiliated level, can they? Which is a bit disappointing for some people. And they don't know when they bought the pony that that would that was a problem because they're they're new to it, as it were. So it it is quite true. It goes a bit further down the line as well, doesn't it, if you know what I mean, poor people. The society to say, um, oh, you've bought a youngster and it goes over height. Mm. Tragedy, absolute horrible thing to happen to you. Why should that pony then be excluded? I've always said about partnership classes, and I think this is where these sorts of ponies by breed could go in and still be recognised. Mm. And by so partnership class, what are, are, we, are we are we talking? But what what are you judging a partnership class on? Is it is it for any? Just explain your what you what a partnership class is to you. I think because um, lots of people have ponies and horses mm. that will not meet our criteria for going. Mm. Hoys or Real International, who go to a show and then end it because sort of local shows, they're not going to go anywhere. So why can't we have partnership classes where people can come out presented the same, we have exacting standards about how they should look, mm. but enjoy partnership classes where we're not going to judge um, on breed breed but of the type or if it is a breed it can go in the partnership classes and enjoy and win and still have a good time mm, mm. because but where do these ponies go is it judged on, so you would judge it on performance yeah. and type rather than breed standard or, or necessarily com- confirmation too purist on your confirmation yeah yeah, yeah. Very much what we do um, with our TSR showing finals. We have four marks. So we do turnout, um, way of going, riding ability, and we tend to have a type mark rather than a confirmation mark. Um, so it, because of the, you know, we have a wide range of different animals and it does encompass it a little bit better for people. Then this word inclusive is mm. so important in life. Mm. Why would mm. we exclude people who have an equine and do not fit into the rigid rules of the Yeah, party? pigeonhole, basically. <laughs> we well, tend to pigeonhole everything in showing a little bit, don't we? <laughs> I just think it would be good if we could open up to more people mm. or the people that don't feel their animal is quite good enough for the yeah. horse, but would love to achieve. Life is about achieving. It is. It is, and 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 having and achieving in an in a in with your with your horse as well, yeah, you know. So yeah. yeah. So going back to um, talking about performance um, and things like that, what is your view on on a wrong leg in a show? It, it depends once again what level I'm judging at. 
Mm. Novices, you, you know as soon as they come in. If they make that mistake and correct, I think, thank goodness, they knew that the wrong leg was in action. Mm. Um, when it comes to the open shows, they shouldn't wrong leg. If they mm. make a mistake, the rider has to accept it's a competition and somebody's got to win. If you've got a perfect against someone who's wrong leg, what can you do, really? Mm. Mm. Yeah, so you don't really you don't really like to see a horse with the wrong leg winning the class, as it were. So uh, not in the open classes. In novices, no. providing they correct right away, it shows the rider has an yeah. understanding of what they're meant to be. Yeah, yeah. And once again, I, you know, I do say to them, do not continue on the wrong leg. Get it right. At least it shows me you've got skills. Mm, mm. Yeah, correct it, and that you're you've got yeah. you're riding riding to that level. Yeah, yeah. So if you were marking um, a, a show and, and a horse wrong leg, what sort of marks would you would you penalise that horse for? Is it what sort of your differential? Well, we go back to way of going, don't we? A manners has it accepted the aid. Well, either a wrong aid was given or it's not accepted it. So mm. it's got to lose five points for me. Yeah, five marks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's fair enough. That is about, you know, people say between three and five, so that is quite quite average with it, really, as it were. Um, and moving on to another thing that is discussed a little bit outside the ring is, is a matter of bits and with leading reins and first ridden. Do you have a particular view on, on bits in these classes, like the Wilkie bit? Yeah, yeah, I do. I go back to what is the purpose of a lead rein and a first ridden? Why hmm. is this pony being ridden? To me, it's absolute safety and for the child to acquire skills. Mm. If it cannot work in a natural bit, then are we back into the problems of it being ridden in by someone to um, get it pliant and compliant? Mm. Is it too strong for the, the rather rigid hands of a little child? Mm. I, I do not like to see Wilkie's in use. Well, that's fair enough. That's great. Other judges do as well, but it's really good to know because that helps people coming under you that they think, well, if I'm in a Wilkie, perhaps I will try a loose ring snaffle today or something else, you know, that, um, that, would, that would, you know, be it's more... harsh hands again, isn't it? Mm. Little ones tend to be quite rigid because that's what they're being told to do. Mm. I don't want the pony held in shape I want the pony to assist the young rider. Yeah. And I yeah. think if it, we can see when they've been forced into outline and well, they've been ridden in to make them look good in the show ring. None of that mm. holds much truck with me. The child's safety is first. Then yeah. when the pony is going well, you know, you sort of think, oh my goodness. It, it does make me smile and I do so enjoy it. But those yeah. rookies for me are not... They shouldn't be necessary. No, that's great. So that's really good to know. And another bit that's always quite contentious, which you tend to get in the coloured classes um, a little bit more with the traditional types, is the swales bit. What's yes. your view on the swales? I can remember discussing swales back in shall I, 2010, something like that, when mm. they were just coming in. Yeah. Let's go back to a big problem in riding, which is harsh hands. Mm. Using the bit 
is not going to help. You've got to be able to use the rest of you as well. It's no just no good just pulling on a bit. Mm. In the right hands, I suppose there is um, people that can use them properly. Mm. To me, they are an old military bit that suddenly someone found they could stop a horse in and it's gone on like wildfire. I am not a fan of them. No. No, lots of judges aren't fans of them, especially, you know, in the in the pony classes or in the Absolutely in the colour classes. Not. So mm. we go no. back, don't we, to our ponies over school that then they need these bits because sometimes I think it is a matter of over schooling rather than under schooling. Mm. All right. They get a bit wise to it all. <laughs> yes, you know as well as I do, especially with an M and M. They'll soon learn how to outwit you. Yes, and the they do. That can't will just take a hold of the bit, no matter what's in their mouth. They've got you every time. So it's mm. got to be carrot and stick, I think, when you're trying to train a horse. Yes. Yeah. No, exactly. And snaffle bridles at local level, particularly I, the clinics. You know, I run. They people are very worried that they're not ready for their double reins. And, you know, sometimes they'll just say, oh, my God, I'm going to a show. I need to put a pelham in. I need to have double reins. And, and what's, your, what's your view on, 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 a, on a pony or a horse coming into, say, there may only be one ridden pony class at the show, so there's no novice class, so it's coming in in a snaffle, or, or they might be new to showing and not ready for the, for the doubles. What's your view on a snaffle bridle in, in a, more of an open class at a local show? I think it's absolutely wonderful to see a horse coming in balance, going forward, in yeah. rhythm, and expressing himself, dash in a snaffle. Hmm. I have no problem with them at all. I have more of a problem with a double, where the curb's in play all the time, and the mouse's horse. The horse's mouth is open for a lot of the time. Yeah. I have no problem with with it at all, and I don't think... Once again, we're putting pressure where there shouldn't be pressure. Let the societies or the show make it clear you will not be marked down for using a snaffle. Because mm. I know the SWPA, I know Medwin has really strong views on, um, you know, there, that particularly, you know, as I say, with, with, the, with the snaffles and, and Wilkie bits and things like that, they're very clear with what they advise. So it's on quite good. Is, I, I don't mind at all. And in the mm. opens, I would adore to see an animal, and I have seen them come out, and it's quite surprising how free and wonderful they look. Mm. Mm. No, some horses do just, 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 do just, just really enjoy going in a snaffle, and it can be quite difficult to move them, move them up, as it were. Um, and then keeping on the tack theme, people always tend to worry about not so obvious, we're not talking at, you know, qualifying level here, but with black or brown tack or, you know, and I, and especially if they're just starting out or, or that it's just, they have a pony that does a number of different things, so perhaps they're sh- it's not a show saddle. Are you really taking that into account or, uh, or, is, or would you just advise that if they want to move up levels, then perhaps they should look at their tack? My first criteria when they come in, by the way, the animal's going, is that tag fitting properly? If mm. it's fitting properly, then nothing else is a problem to me at beginning stage. Not mm. a problem. Um, if they want to move up, then I think that's where um, we can be quite useful by saying, when you change your tag, please remember that you will need to wear brown 
You know, you can get it across to them without destroying them, thinking they've all got to rush out and spend a lot of money. They can well, I know, because it's so expensive, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. but, as, as, but once you've mentioned that to them, it'll stick in their brain. And when, mm. when they get a chance, I always say you don't have to wear the most expensive. You don't have to have the most expensive on your equine. As hmm. long as it's presented, it does the job, it's well-fitting, it's clean. Yeah. And the best it can be, it could be 50 years old. Yes. <laughs> Everyone is obsessed with buying new. Hmm. Where once you've taken it on one horse, give it a good clean and put it on another, does it? I don't know what brand new tech. Some of the, the best leather is older, isn't it? Because some Absolutely. of this new leather isn't very nice. I know. So, no, I don't have a problem with it. Because often in the coloured classes, people have yeah people have black tack because it's on they're black and white, aren't they? So you know that's quite natural really in a way to go to go for that um, for that element, and they do they do just worry a little bit about that. So what would be? It's anxiety they needn't have. Come on, societies and shows make Mm. it clear to people. Mm. Do you have any other things that you're particular about when judging? Um, you know, whether it's attire or or anything else that you you particularly look for. You must be appropriate for what class you're in. Yeah. And it has to be clean, neat, and tidy, and of course appropriate for what you're meant to be doing. Mm. It doesn't have to be brand new. It doesn't have to be the best. Mm. But it's got to be suitable for what you're doing. Yeah, yeah. Not everybody but, can go out and buy everything brand spanking new all the time. And once it's out of the bag, who knows what it costs or what else, yeah. etc. Because I know leading rain outfits can be quite expensive, can't they? Mm-hmm. You know, and it's quite difficult. But uh, I tell you, there's, a, there's some good Facebook groups, isn't there, for second-hand leading rain outfits. I think that's, that's quite a good place to start yeah. with that. I think there should be a lot more swapping, changing, and selling cheaply second-hand. So people can swap and change and maybe move up the ladder a little bit. Yeah, yeah. And so what would be your, just to sum up really, what would be your um, top tip or advice to exhibitors coming under you to to impress you as they come in the ring or, as, or at any point? I think PIP pit for me is what I learned a long time ago from Glenda Spooner. All right. PIP. What is that then? You've practiced. Yeah. You are punctual and you're passionate. Practice. Punctual. And punctual. Passionate. Oh, the three P's. P P P. No, that's your first set of P's. Then All right. Learn to take instruction and learn from those instructions, whether it be the steward, the judge. You may pick up a tip from another competitor in the ring. Yeah. And then your final P is perform and be proud. So the first P is practical, punctual. And passionate. And passionate. Well, you practice, you're punctual and you're passionate. And then the I is for instruction. Take instruction and learn. Never take it personally. And then you perform and be proud. That's lovely. That's really lovely analogy. That is. That's lovely. That's really, really. I really. That's a really good one. That one. That's, that's a new one on me as well. <laughs> yeah, but I work to that as well because I learn something new 
every time I go in the ring, I may not yeah. want to have learned it. <laughs> but I know. <laughs> yes, I, it might not always be a positive, but you've learned from it. <laughs> well, it's it, so, I, I stop back sometimes. I like you. You've taught me something I don't know. But I uh, think the thing is to go out of that ring proud that you've done the best you can do, even though it may have gone wrong. It doesn't mm. matter. No. No, you've, 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 if it's gone wrong, you still have achieved at some point, whether it's to correct that, to correct it or not. You would have corrected it. Mm, mm, exactly. It's very interesting to know that you've taken that from Glenda Spooner because I was speaking to Liz Wright, who is a judge over in Cambridgeshire, and she's got all the Glenda Spooner archives. Um, so you had a little bit to do with Glenda at one point, obviously, to, to yes, pick this up. Many, 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 probably in the 60s. Mm. And I can always remember her attitude was when she used to sort of, you know, she was from India, blah, 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 mm. was that never, ever get above yourself. Mm. And this thing about if you're practiced, whether you're a rider, a judge, a steward, and you're punctual, you've done two good things. And then mm. if you're passionate, that is magnificent. Always take instruction. Nobody knows it all. Yeah, that's very, very good. That's ex- that is excellent. Well, thank you very much, Gwyneth, for um, chatting to me um, today. It's been really interesting to hear your views and and like the new and your thoughts on a new class like the partnership class and and the, and the breed types. That's 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 really really interesting. So, thank you. And how and um, you've got some new thing of some um, the Gwyn Best planned. When is that to be held? It's and where? On the seventh of August, which is the Friday. I think it's the seventh. Yeah. And we're going to be in Wiltshire at West Wiltshire Equestrian Centre. Oh, that's a lovely centre there. And that's we're very over nice. £13,000 worth of money going out. Oh, my God, that's incredible. Wow. I know. It's absolutely amazing. And it's going to be sheer party time. <laughs> it always is with you guys. <laughs> it, it is going to be the best party any of our competitors have ever had. They've got the serious competition, but that's... Good manners must prevail. Yeah. And he will have a super day. So you can just enter and then you go through a qualification process during the day, is that right? No. How does, no. no. How does it work? You've got to, we only allow four horses in each class. Right. Because the winner's going to start with £100. Right. You know, there's big money in the classes. If we have um, more than four because something has happened, uh, all the we go down to joint third and they all get fifty pounds each. Oh, then amazing! All the people in those classes can go through to the head to heads. Big uh, night waiting for them as well. A mm. uh, hundred pounds for a champion, lots of fifty pounds. Then yeah. everyone then is eligible for the supremes because we keep changing judges. Oh, fantastic! And so if you want to get some cash, <laughs> yeah, two hundred and fifty pounds is waiting for someone who appears to have enjoyed their day the most. Oh, that's it, a lovely way to give a prize, It's not all is. about horses. It's about comradeship, good manners, yeah. and just achieving. We, we will spot who is achieving and who's got better during the day, and mm. then we'll get rewarded. Oh, fantastic. Well, let's hope, fingers crossed, that um, everything, um, you know, everyone with the coronavirus that it is, that we all settle down and things improve and that we can all look forward to it in August. Yeah, yeah, so do I. Yeah, well, thank you so much indeed. Thank you very much. 
thank you for asking for my opinion. No, it's, 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 been, it's been lovely. Thank you. Thank you. And I'll see you soon then. Fingers crossed. <laughs> bye bye for now then. Bye bye. Bye, Gwyneth. Thank you. Bye. Bye.